0: I'm starting a series called Real Church from the book of Ephesians, and I want to begin in, today with this, with this message, getting real about church stuff. And as we get started, I just want to say, I just want to, say to you what I hope you know and I, I want you to know. I want you to know I love you. I really, really love you and I really know you love me and I tell you, I treasure that. I love this church, man. I love the L.O.H. Church. I am the most blessed guy and the most blessed pastor. Um, I'll tell you what, I have been blessed by the church before I ever got to this church. You know what? Church has been a blessing to me through my entire Christian life. Anybody else say amen to that? I mean... I've been through hard things and I'll talk about some of those things in, in weeks to come maybe about church experience and all that but generally speaking I've been blessed because I've been in a church and the church of Jesus Christ is the best thing going it is I want to tell you I believe in his church and I believe in him and I believe in this church and I believe in you And I believe in the grace of God. And I believe in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that he has a passion to build his church and bless his church and grow his church. I believe in the grace of God on you. I believe in the grace of God in you. I believe in the spirit of God in you. And I believe in the destiny of God for us. We are in the honey, and I don't take that for granted. We are in the honey. Remember the old course. we're in the money? If you have to choose between the two when it comes to the things of God, it's better to be in the honey than in the money. We're in the honey, honey, right? I want to be, I am so thankful for the kindness of the Lord. I am so thankful for the mercy of God. The, surely, goodness and his mercy has followed us all the days of our lives this church comes from a prophecy from the lord a a picture prophecy from ezekiel 34 where I saw these little kids dancing in a, in, a, in a rainstorm with the joy of the Lord in their life. I saw these beautiful white sheep on a, on a plush green hill uh, frolicking in the joy and security and peace of God being fed under the blessings of God and I found both of those things in the book of Ezekiel chapter 34. Um, instead of trying to find a plan, it's better to walk in a prophecy and if you have a prophecy, follow the fo- prophecy and program off of that. This church comes from a prophecy from the Lord and he's been the craftsman all along the way and he's the only leader and he's the head and jesus is king and jesus is lord and i've been here for a few decades now seriously i've been pastoring in this church over 25 years and uh, i've been in lead leadership ministry in some capacity in his church since 1986 um, I, I was a youth pastor in a church uh, in, in the Bible Belt in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Roll Tide, and right next to the campus, and I loved it there. And I still love the Alabama Crimson Tide, although I'm wearing North Carolina blue today. But don't let that fool you. I like, I like them, but I love the Tide. Anyway, they got a name for the winners in the world. Anyway, that's another sir. Another you guys know 70s music you don't roll with me on these things <laughs> eric does i've been a youth pastor there i was a youth pastor in uh midlothian right up near frostburg state university and uh i'd like to share some observations convictions challenges and life changes of perspective that i've had from then to now with you today um there are symptoms that keep the church from fully making proof of her calling in the book of Ephesians. There are symptoms that have hindered us from uh, uh, not completely, but uh, moving even more in the pace of the Lord, from fulfilling the prophecy of the Lord for LOH, things that keep church in general from moving forward and fulfilling her role. and the book of Ephesians, Paul gives us solutions by showing us this sweet, beautiful picture. And I want to talk about that today so I'm going to be today talking about from 1986 to now in my life about paradigms about people positions about pressures and problems and the principalities of hell that seek to gain ground in churches for not solving those problems through the prophetic power of the spirit and the Ephesians model but I also want to share the power of potential, and boy, do I believe in this. There is so much potential in your life and in my life. There is so much potential and power from the Holy Spirit and the grace of God and faith and the word and being in, in community with one another that is beyond anything we can, Paul said that it's beyond comprehension. I wanna talk about the power of potential that's available to us from heavenly places in Christ Jesus, and we're gonna do that. But today is a 30,000-foot level observation, and I wanna plant some seeds, and I want us to take a deeper dive for the rest of the summer in the book of Ephesians, and then we're gonna turn to Luke in the late fall, get back into the Luke account, and we're gonna see how Jesus in his human body fulfilled these things, and we're gonna see how from that body to this body, we are called to do the same. So, i want to get real about 32 years of being in leadership in his church. Um, And I wanna share my passion, um, which has become more deeply refined and become more non-negotiable in my life in perspective and pathway forward. And it's come through journey. Um, I, I, did a, I did a leadership lesson for the Salem uh, uh, team, uh, probably a two, fall, two falls ago, I don't mean spiritual falling, I mean season of, <laughs> I felt desperately and I shared that. No, but, uh, but uh, time, and it was called Lessons I've Learned Living on Dumb Dumb Street. Um, a lot of the things I've learned have come by being dumb. And learning the hard way and a lot of things that I've learned lessons I've learned through mistakes I've made and then every now and then I've learned by just wanting to be teachable and and I've learned some things after 32 years you learn some things just by being there and so I want to talk to you about some of those things from 86 to 2021 and I know the things that I'm going to share today I know that you already know these things and I know that what I'm going to share I don't I am not wanting to be uh, patronizing I'm not wanting to talk down to you. I don't claim insight. I don't claim expertise. I just claim 32 years of experiencing the church. And um, maybe, like me, the things that you already know will click in your life like never before in all of us. And, like in the book of Ezra, God will use that to stir up the spirits of people to build the house of the Lord. So, all right, let's let's show the picture. Here I am, here I am. There's me. Um, This is (laughs) that used to be me. This is this is 1995 i i've been i was pastoring this church which was called Cresttown town ag um for a couple of years that's our director of operations uh, i was trying to talk him into that job even then uh, that's devin mcgregor and uh, we are in cincinnati at a vince gill concert uh, the explanation for my hair it was the 90s and i was crazy but other than that I was pastoring this church, and I had gone up into the attic of the old building, and I found this box that had old membership cards in it. And I was reading what you had to do to become a member of Crescent Town Assembly of God, and there wasn't one thing in there you had to do. There was just things you had to promise not to do, and it went like this. I promised not to go to the dance. I don't know if Wyatt Earp wrote this card or not. I promised not to play cards. I promised not to go to the movies. I, I'm not kidding you. And I saw, you know, I did. You know what I did with that card? I went, boom. And I thought, you know what, this church needs. It needs a paradigm shift. So one of the reasons, not the only reason, the other reason, because I always wanted to grow my hair long, and so that and this reason, I just wanted to blow that stuff up. As so, I got my rock and roll brother-in-law to start leading worship. We had a lady that led uh, music before that. God love her, but she played piano like she was wearing mittens. So therefore, I knew the Holy Spirit wasn't going anywhere with that. So we just decided. <laughs> we decided to see if we could make changes and live to tell about it. Because a lot of places you don't. And the Lord's been gracious to us, and I did a lot of things wrong, and I did the things with too much vinegar. You think I have too much vinegar now? You didn't know me then. Because I didn't have much then at all. But anyway, get that thing off there. If the Lord said to me, listen, I'll get your hair back, but you gotta promise you can only wear it like that, I'd be like, I'm in. I'm totally in, I don't care what anybody thinks, I'd be totally in, man. I would so be in. Even if he said it was only, eric if he said it had to be purple i think i'd think think about it there's there's room for everybody today right anyway all right anyway i've crossed paths since 86 86 holy cow the pirates were almost good back then i crossed paths with paradigm shifts with people positions and pressures and problems principalities and powerful potential let's talk about paradigms first here is one in Ephesians 1 gosh I'm already 13 minutes in holy moly here's one from Ephesians and he God the father put all things in subjection under his feet that's Jesus's feet and gave him Jesus as head over all things to the church the church isn't all things it's it's in the all things and here's the good news Jesus is head over the all things he's head over Fauci He's head, over, he's head over Iran. He's head over uh, the Republicans. He's head over the Democrat Party. He's head over the church. He's head over, head over, he's head over all things. And the church isn't all things. The church is in the all things, and he's head over the church, which is not is like but is his body. There is no other body on the earth but the church of Jesus. He's not coming down to fix us we are the fix the fullness of him who fills all in all paradigm right that's a that's a mental image that you either know you have or you don't know you have most of us i know that there are a lot of paradigms in me that that i i need to have changed and i don't know that until something awakens it right um when i started when i grew up in, in church and even at beginning in church uh, ministry i saw the church as a building more than a body and a place of people who believed in jesus came together and, and the and the predominant not the only but the predominant messages that were crafted in church at the place was to bring people to a decision to receive jesus christ um, because the, the, the paradigm that, that we, we lived under predominantly came from the 1800s when people like D.L. Moody and great evangelists would have these things and people would make decisions. They'd preach for people to get saved. That's a great thing, right? That's a gr- hey, getting people saved is a great thing. It's God thing. But the church gatherings became you know, with the place where you hoped Uncle Louie, for the one time he ever came, that pastor would preach a salvation message. Listen, I remember one time on a Sunday night service, they used to have them back when Peter, James, and John and I lived. In a Sunday night service, I saw two of my buddies that didn't know Jesus walk in the back door and I had a sermon ready to preach and I saw them and I knew they weren't coming back so I changed it and preached on heaven, hell, and the coming judgment. And they all came to the altar, booyah, right? Because I knew somebody was thinking, "Please, God, somewhere let my son go to a church where they're preaching for people to get saved." It's great to do that, but that that paradigm is so embedded in a generation that the church is more of an audience than a body. And the here's the thing: and the gathering at that time, which is like right now, our ten o'clock time, was the all-in-all. And it's about us becoming better Christians and us uh, getting people saved. And if there's somebody here, you know, even if you're preaching on tithing at the end, you got to ba- you got to bring it around. Not that it's wrong. And I just want to now turn the whole thing around. In case there's one soul, play it again, Sam. Let's do it four more times. play it. And, and nothing wrong with that. How many of you ever you were in ch- you've been in church most of your life? How many of you been in church before your life? Right? 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 Yeah, I know. Right? It wasn't until. Spending time with Dr. Jack Hayford, who is, who is, who's pastored in Van Nuys, California, uh, Church on the Way, Foursquare Church, um, forever. And he's one of those generals that's still here, but he's going to be gone home to the Lord. And my burden is that new generals will rise up with a different paradigm uh, than the audience. It's so important. Um, I was with him on 910, 2001 and on 9-11. 2001 he was in the middle of a conference on a spirit form church when they walked in the side room and said the pentagon had been hit that changed the whole conference but not before he planted a seed in me when he said to us men of god the metaphors from paul's letter to the ephesians are real go home and allow the holy spirit to press that into the mindset of your people so your church can be the church Because Hank the mechanic who sits out in your church thinks that you're the only ones with the key to the kingdom. Press them into Hank's hand so your church can be the church. That metaphor got down deep inside of me. It got down deep inside of me. The metaphors are real. I want you to say this out loud with me. The metaphors are real. Now say this with me. The church is a body. The the church is a temple. The church is a family, church is family. the church is a, church is a flock, the church is a bride, church is a bride. the church is, church is an army, and the audience metaphor is not in the Bible. The audience metaphor is not in the Bible, and we must get back to the Bible because the metaphors. Are real you're dismissed no <laughs> audience is not the right paradigm and all of us in this room including me and every pastor I know amen that we all know that just like we all amen we all want acts 2 until we get to an act 6 problem because when you get in the act 6 problem Everybody brings that to that and says, hey, the widows are being overlooked, dude. And Acts 2 fire dies when we don't navigate Acts 6 correctly. Where's all the PKs? Your dad's a pastor, right? So amen that. If you don't amen that, no one else is going to, okay? You're the one that missed dinners with your dad because he had to go out and do Acts 6. The metaphors are real the Spirit wants to set our minds on this path and I am to pastor the staff the deacons the deaconesses and this audience into a new reality and every leader that is a leader in our church must lead your team into the metaphors Of the church. Why? Because God evaluates our maturity and our success on the benchmarks of the metaphors, not the amount of people that are here. And this one's a big game changer. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him, you want me to preach for an hour on this? I just might. You got anything to do? Besides save the world, what else is more important? You got time for that? To the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. We are to measure our true success on maturing together in those metaphors. My true discipleship and your true discipleship is being evaluated right now in heaven on how much you and how much I and maturing within the realities of what body means to you what building connecting your spirit to people in the spirit of the people god puts you with in the family idea of father mother brother sister of the flock metaphor of being shepherded fed to flourish among other sheep holy and loving bride anticipating his coming and living as if we believe it. And a weapon in your life that equips you as a warrior to have your brothers and sisters and your pastors and team and your churches back and front. And there is no one else that is expected to carry that weight at a higher weight than you. Not the pastor, not the deacons, not the super-committed Christians. I read something an electric forensics expert said the other day. Full disclosure, I know absolutely nothing about electric forensics. But I read something in a search to find a great illustration about the body of christ and i read this from stephen mcgee who is an electrical forensic and i don't even know what that means but he said something really good that lit my fire about the body of christ and he said this the human body when kept in an indoor environment of low lux light will not realize that it's daytime as it cannot sense the increasing levels of daylight that the genetics are accustomed to as such, by late morning, your body may start sending a signal for you to sleep. And I thought if we as Christians live in a low lux light of a metaphor that's not biblical, that the church is an audience, we will eventually begin to snooze on the other metaphors unless there is a great light that shines to wake us up. That's why Paul prays two prayers in this letter on the metaphors. For light to shine in those who already are following the light, not the people that aren't. That the eyes of our heart would be enlightened to know this thing we're talking about. And that's why in Ephesians five, he calls the body to wake from their sleep and let the anointing of Christ shine on you about what stay with me I don't need a light bulb I need a floodlight how about you unless we become accustomed to this audience mindset that we can be embedded in where the workers are working for Sunday gatherings as the goal Not realizing we are all part of Jesus together and the church is so much more? What up? So in my 86th and now, in this walk, I've had this paradigm thing happen to me. And not just that, I've also come across people positions. Man. Ephesians 2, in whom the whole building... People say I don't believe the church is a building. Depends on what you mean because the Bible says it is. It's just not the building we think of. When we have a business meeting in a couple of weeks it's going to be about a real a building building. Right here where we can house 5, 600 people in it. Cuz look, if God can bring this many people together where we haven't really as greatly matured in the metaphors in here, with a predominant idea of audience what might he do what might he do growing into a holy temple of the lord in whom you plural also are being built together into a dwelling of god in the spirit i gotta keep going i saw i used to see the minister as the preacher who would along with a couple other super committed do the ministry right deacons and and a committee of super duper committed people to make the church work and work at the church where were you today honey i'm going down to the church where's preacher he's down at the church as if it's a place down at the church see these phrases that none of us we know oh we're biblical right? we're biblical but we we are so conditioned we don't even know how conditioned we are in that Rather than what is truly real, the building is about all of us growing to be a full, fully alive expression of God's presence here, there, and everywhere. People filled up, the temple being people, the temple being mobile, every one of us being little temples. And we build each other up when we're together, here, there, or anywhere. We do life together here, there, or Where anyway. We reveal His light, life, and love here, there, and everywhere. Evangelism didn't happen in the temple it happened at your temple acts two says that when they started meeting in their own homes and did life together there the Lord started adding to the church daily those who were being saved you know what that means they didn't have to wait for Sunday and hope Uncle Jimmy came and have you called pastor on Thursday night when he was supposed to preach on Nehemiah building the wall and say, hey, Uncle Jimmy's coming, man. Can you give him the heaven, hell, and judgment message? It's his one shot, man. You know how many times I've, had, I've been asked to go to a hospital in the dying hours of some unsaved uncle or grandpa or parent by somebody who lived with them, who loves Jesus their whole life and never talked to him about Jesus once. And you gotta go in on a cold call because you're the preacher and try to, have you ever tried to walk that tightrope before? Hi, you don't know me and I don't know you, but let me ask you this question. If you die in five minutes, what an impression. The pressure's on, you're riding to the hospital going, oh my God. You know some of the, I don't have time, but boy, this is, some of the responses that have come to me from people like that, I've left hospitals mad at the people that asked me to go because of what those people said to me when I walked in there. They didn't know me from a man in the moon, but I got blamed for every bad Christian they ever met in their life. And their kids. Anyway. (laughs) Real talk about real church. People say the church is not a building and that's not necessarily true. It is a building project of, of the spirit, filling us to be temples everywhere. When Stephen stood before the Sanhedrin and, and got the picture that the temple was a mobile body of people, Jesus was the temple, and the people who follow are the temples, you know what happened to him? They killed him for that, because he was messing up their church. People positions, here's another one, Ephesians 4. Oh, whew. Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. That's not the pastors, that's the believers. That's to the city of Ephesus, every believer in Ephesus, whether they went to this church or the other church or their other church or all the churches. All of the churches, you plural, walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Notice walk, who is to walk? All of us, walk in what? A manner worthy of our what? Say the word out loud. You know what that means? Every believer is called. This is one of the biggest lies that the devil has passed that there is a special call of people and everybody else are followers. I'm not called. Everybody's called. There is no special call, that's a myth. Everybody's called, but there is special guidance and giftedness and placement within all of us who are all called. And every person is gonna be judged exactly like preachers whether or not they lived in a manner worthy of the calling. And here is the evaluation. How did you measure up to the metaphors of what you called church? Right. It says, Paul said, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. Everybody should see that. Everybody should be that. Meaning this, he has captured my treasures, He's captured my talents. He's captured my tongue. He's captured my time. Every person, everybody from day one needs to be discipled into this. You are a prisoner called to follow Jesus Christ into the family, into the temples of God, into brotherhood and sisterhood, into the army, into all of it. And we're all measured by that. Tim will be measured by his special guidance, whether he lived up to it or not, and so will you. And we all walk out our exact same calling in many wide and diverse but beautiful, life-enriching ways. And so that answers the question, who is the minister? All of us. Who is the called? All of us. Hey, Jesus Christ never intended to build his church on the gifts or talents of a few, but on the sacrificial servanthood of the all. I know I'm telling you everything you already know. There isn't anybody in here that's been in church and in the word that doesn't know every single thing I've just said. You know it. I know it. But that leads to another thing. Since 1986, working under pastors and working in different churches from different parts of the country, it's the same everywhere. There are pressures and problems. Paul has a solution. In Ephesians 4, but speaking the truth in love, we, plural, are to grow up in all aspects. What are the all aspects? Remind you, here are the aspects. We are to grow up in body. We are to grow up in building of the house of God. We are to grow up in flock. We are to grow up in family. We are to grow up in bride. We are to grow up in army. We are to grow up in all aspects. And I noted it again, audience is not mentioned once. Remember the day they give you a Sunday school pin for never missing a Sunday school class? That's great. But there are people that never missed a Sunday. They They got them in their Hall of Fame Christian room in their house. They don't know who they are in Christ, they don't know their spiritual gifts. But they never missed a Sunday. And they rooted the preacher on to do the work of the ministry and were the first cheers when Uncle Hank came to the altar. And there are churches like that that used to be. And 10 years, 20 years from now, this church will be like the used to be's unless we have a massive floodlight paradigm shift. Because there are pressures and problems that nobody can answer and fix. But if everybody plugged in like we are called to do, if everybody prayed like we're called to do, if everybody supported our work, financially like everybody called to do, if everybody contributed time to others in the LOH family like we are called to do, just imagine what God would do. Imagine if we say yes to that in the levels of influence and fulfillment and purpose in life all of us would experience. Pressure being relieved and problems being solved come by creating the best ways that everybody in the body knows God cares for them because everybody in the body cares for them and cares about everybody in the body being cared for connected in community on the pathway to possibilities and potential and creativity how look at it again the whole body every joint supplying each individual part does what causes the growth how does growth come How does it come? It comes from growing up, whole body, every joint supplying, each individual part causes the growth, and the church builds itself up. So, having a revival evangelist come in is a great thing. But when he packs up the suitcase and leaves, what you got? What you got? and I've lived in 86, watching that, experiencing that, not knocking it, I have been blessed by some of those services. But as long as we call what happens here the service, we're way off the mark. Great service, Pastor. Not if it didn't help us come into a new place of body. We just had a sanctified David Letterman show and I'm your host, David Letterman. We can do some stupid human tricks if you want. (laughs) Causes what? Growth. Growth. When it's only a select few with a select call. I've said to staff for years, and I've got the best, if we create all of the activities for people to come to, they're actually gonna believe that we create all the activities for people to come to. You don't wanna create that monster. We're not Disneyland. Come on in. We got it all ready for you. We got it all ready. Please come back, please come back, please come back. What do you need? What do you want? What? Do you... From 86 to now, how many people walk into churches and go, and what can I do to serve Jesus Christ? You got nur- how's your nursery? What's your temperature climate uh, in the nursery? What's your? I'm only speaking out of experience. I've been in church since before I knew Jesus. I grew up in church. I knew the Bible before I met the Author. I could have led someone to Christ with uh, as a as a as a as a as a dope smoking. Uh, whiskey drinking teenager i knew the romans road there has to be a floodlight happening not a light bulb a floodlight in each of our lives that there's a mandate on all of us we're all called to follow jesus and how do we know for following jesus because we're bible believing christians there's a ton of those churches I've seen churches that will have stuff like, we believe in the 1611 version of the King James. You know, and that's what we're about. Right? I'm not knocking that. And then I've seen churches, listen, just because it says assembly of God on the sign doesn't mean God's in the assembly. Just because we're Bible-believing whatever's doesn't, be- it, means, it might just mean we believe in John three sixteen and we believe it's inspired, but getting around to Ephesians 4 and the metaphors, we hire people to do that. And if they don't do it, we'll hire somebody else. Is that, is, 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 is that plain enough? If there's one thing that I wish that I could get every person that's involved in a committee or a ministry in our church to see, I would rather you see this, because this will hit you more. It's Lucy and Ethel at the chocolate factory, right? Okay. Just think of you right now, whatever you do in our church, whatever you do, and you're good at it. And that means probably all of you should think because you're all good at it. But I'm gonna go back, and I'm not gonna name names, but since I've been here, there have been people that are really good at doing stuff, really good at doing stuff, and they've done a great job, and we didn't have it. Listen, I'll tell you what. before, Before Jeff Yoder cut the grass, Jesus didn't do a good job at it. But I, but I used to tell I used to tell him and I used to tell people like him that would, that, listen, there, there are people, God loved these people. They're going straight to heaven, okay? The are the, the, these people that are in nursery work. they are these people that nobody knows and they're cutting to this and they're doing the that and they're all that and they're, you know what, that rain, snow, sunshine, if people are nasty to them, they keep going anyway. They're those people. They're going to be right there next to Peter, James, and John. And they don't stand up here. But I used to say to Jeff, I hope you don't get run over by a car, brother, because we won't have anybody to cut the grass. <laughs> I hope the Lord doesn't take you home like Elijah. He'd just laugh. I'd say, I'd say you know what the most successful thing you can do as a, as a successful leader is have a successor. Because too many times in our church, and this isn't on him because he got it. Too many times in our church, people that do something really well quit doing it, and then we go from what we were doing back to nothing. Back to Nothing. So it's more important to have people who can work for Bill Belichick than having a Bill Belichick. Some of the greatest NFL football teams in the eighties and nineties came from working on the staff of the head coach of the San Francisco 49ers because they duplicated and multiplied and reproduced that paradigm in the NFL. These two girls, when the pace of the chocolates coming down the belt wasn't real, it was practice, they were like, we're great at this. Don't you feel the Holy Spirit? It's just me and you. Man, look what we're doing. And then that woman that talked like a guy came in and she goes, that's really good. She's like, all right, speed it up a little. And they got the real. Remember what, hey, this is all you need to have ministry success Just go watch the Lucy and Ethel Chocolate Factory and ask if you have enough arms if a hundred people walk in the door next week from somewhere we never expected. If, if, If part of the black church community starts showing up here, is that when we're gonna start? Anyway, you know what they needed? They needed more arms. And guess what? They would never have more arms growing out of their arms. You know what they needed? People. And you know how you get people? This is, this is extra. You don't get up and say we need people to do the things church nobody wants to do because everybody's expecting Disney World. But what we need is would you like to see these babies grow up loving church and walking around here without their shoes on? eating cookies out of the fridge they didn't even ask permission to because they think this is their house. That's how you sell vision. You don't get them to go, we need more workers. Who doesn't, right? How many people, if you're, if you're a part of the, of the, of the band team, uh, your kids are in, in school band, guess what? If your kids are in peewee football, guess what? It's the same everywhere. 20% of the people do 100% of the work. And the other eighty evaluate it and decide whether or not you're worthy for them to play on your team. And what they don't know is most coaches are going, "I wish they'd go somewhere else." (laughs) I told you, I told you, I'm talking about real church. I I was in a meeting one time with this old saint of God, and all these young whippersnappers were bragging about how many people they were running and they looked at him and said, how many of you run?" And he said, in or out? <laughs> and he said, we don't got nobody coming, but praise God, we've got some divine subtractions. <laughs> don't you love this preaching, Carrie? Isn't this good? It's PK. Yeah, so, but I don't say that about you guys because you guys are a blessing and you guys get it and you guys want to be fully used of God and just like me, you long to be, no, close to, you know you need a pathway and a doorway and I know that too and we don't have, the, I didn't get something on the mountain straight from God written by the finger. We're just going to try growth track and I'm not going to get up and we're not going to get up and say the Lord showed us this because if it fails then we, we got to blame the Lord because we're not going to blame ourselves. We're just going to try something called growth track. Because, here's what I know. The enemy that brings conflict into into our church in the past, we never came near to splitting as a church over whether we believe the scripture's inspired. Are you you with me? I'm almost done. This is so important. I have pastored this church for more than two decades. Can I tell you, every single satanic attack on our church never came from whether I was preaching theologically correct. Never came, never came over anything that theologically mattered about end time scenarios, about God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It always came over stuff like two people wanted to use the van at the same time and the calendar got messed up. And somebody wanted to do something for God and they saw the whole church through their own spiritual gift lens. And therefore, if everybody didn't want to have a soup kitchen, we were missing the Lord. And people couldn't wait and people weren't teachable. And people weren't willing to get in a growth track because, listen, they've played on four NFL teams and they don't need to listen to Belichick. They just want to float around the whole NFL. Because there's, they have experiences. They went to Brownsville. Or they went to Toronto. Or they watched Stephen Furtick. I told you I was going to do real today. And I love... Hey, I went to Brownsville, and the fire of the Holy Spirit turned me inside out. Stephen Furtick saved my life this summer. Saved my life. and I wrote him and told him he'll be here next Sunday. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) You think I'm joking? I'm not joking. I just can't tell you about it. He saved my life. So if all of the demonic inroads into our church in the past, which will be in the present and in the future, come through administrative, not enough help and the pressures and the problems that come from growth, like widows being overlooked. You know why widows were being overlooked because widows came to their church And the Acts 6 pivot off Acts 2 will make or break this church. And if we don't do Acts 6 right, which is you go select among you these people who have been through growth track, who get the metaphors right, and we will give them, instead of bringing every need up the ladder, you send it out. You know what happens when that happens? The church grows in ever-expanding circles. We've never done that before. And I say we as a city, not as a Moss Avenue. And while we've not done that, there are these things called principalities. And we can pray till the cows come home and have revival services for six weeks straight. And when it's done and the evangelist leaves and the videos are over, we're right back to trying to get people from an audience mindset to seeing themselves in the body called bride, family, family all of it, are you listening to the Holy Spirit today? Therefore, be careful how you walk. Let's go. Who walks? Who's supposed to be careful? How you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. Who's he writing this to? Guys down at the pool hall or the Christians in Ephesians who have been quickened and are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Is he telling them they, they have to be careful how they walk? You know why? Because the culture of church is so embedded and the pressure of it being what the world wants it to be and what immature believers want it to be is incredibly strong. Most guys would never be able to survive what I'm preaching to this church today as a pastor. I'm just dumb enough to jump out there. You know why? Because I want my grandson to be in a church that's functioning in the metaphors. Because I want your kids to know what it is to have a Holy Ghost army surrounding them. I want your son to hear the voice because he's been taught to be teachable and humble and take off his shoes on holy ground and not be snarky and smart and an expert evaluating Disney World. I know. Be careful, so, that, so then do not be foolish. You know what the Greek word is? I'll just let you know. It's called moronis. You figure it out. I wonder what that is. But understand what the will of the Lord is. This isn't about, is it God's will to go to Walmart on Thursday or Friday? Does God want me to get a 55 inch screen or a 67 inch screen? No, this is the will of God. Grow up in the metaphors. Understand what it is. What it is. Next verse. Here is what winds my clock Here's why I preach the way I preach, because for years and decades, I know that in my life, in this church, we have been this close, this close, that we've had opportunities, that God's given me opportunities and liberty to be able to tell you this kind of stuff and live to tell about it, that we have fought things and went through things in order to get here, for this moment to say to you that what I've seen since 86 is the powerful potential in the people of God. Look at this verse. He would grant you. Paul prays two prayers over and over. I want you to pray these prayers over and over. And I know I'm not Belichick so you can go listen to 24 other preachers and you don't have to listen to what I say. But if you would consider, praying the prayers of Paul from Ephesians one over this place. And the second one is this, that God would grant you according to the riches of his glory so that you would be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man so that Jesus might live in your heart through faith. That means Jesus lives out of your heart too. And that you being rooted and grounded in love, and he tells you all that, now to him, this is my favorite part, who is able to do far more abundantly beyond growth track, far more abundantly than what Tim's trying to say like a crazy man, anything you even understand with this and you're trying to navigate it, it's even wider than that, according to the power that works within us. To to God be the glory, where? In the church. To God be the glory, where? In Christ Jesus, and when? To all generations, man. Keep going, because I'm way over time. Jonathan Hayashi, I hope he's a Christian. I just found it and threw it out there with risk. I hope he's not like some kind of whack. Anyway, but I, it's, this is right, so anyway. He said, I asked the Don in question, if my church were to cease to exist today, would anyone notice we're gone? Would anyone even care to know? Or even noticed that the church is gone as the body of Christ has been so active in the community, loving them as Jesus would? And then I wrote, after reading that, I wrote to myself, I wanted to share with you, the devil doesn't care how big our church is, he cares how influential our church is. All right, so, here's the plug. So, when you come up to Dustin, in a couple hours, or... Next week, or would you? Are. Now, is growth track for me? If you have more questions than answers about our church, you might be a redneck. No, you. Yes. <laughs> if you know your spiritual gift but don't know how to plug it in, you might. Here's what I know: most people have passion and zeal, and they see what they are and what God wants to do, and they come up with an idea. They're usually on step four, and they think they're on step one but you gotta have step one, two, and three. And a lot of times you don't know what that is. And then what I don't wanna see happen, I want everybody to win. I tell our leaders here, I want, I want us to be able to say yes to everybody, yes. But yes doesn't mean, yeah, here's the van and here's 5,000 bucks. It might mean yes, now. You coming to Salt? I don't need Salt, I play on 14 NFL teams. My father used to... If we're the Alabama Crimson Tide, doesn't matter if you played for the Maryland Terrapins. There's a prophecy for our church, not a program that comes from Calvary Temple, or Central, or Grace Place, or City Reach. something about us because if there isn't one for us what if we're just like why are we here for there's something about us it's not better it's just unique do you know what that is you can find out in growth track would you stand please no I'm gonna pray Ephesians 1 over you again and over me have you anyone get anything out of this today yeah uh, did you can I? Can, can you can you say it louder yeah. Cause it, cause I like to hear your voice uh, that drowns out the devils whenever whenever you preach I whenever you preach like this and you're in territory that he now he, do you think Satan wants the church in Cumberland area to see themselves as the metaphors of the body of Christ in the blue and the do you think that so Lord I'm the first, I'm the I'm the I'm the dumbest post of all the dumb posts. I have no business, but by the grace of God, some election, some reason, your counsel, you put me here. And I I just give myself to you for that, whatever that is. All these wonderful, beautiful, blessed saints of God. Beautiful, blessed. Humble, amazing people who are the Lighthouse of Hope Church, oh God, that that name wouldn't just be the name we name ourselves, but the name that that the city sees in us. I pray that the eyes of every heart would be enlightened that every person would know the hope to which you've called them are you receiving this brother that they would know what are the riches of the glory of the inheritance that you've already given them already that they would know the surpassing greatness of the power toward their faith And it is exactly like the power that raised Jesus from the tomb. And that they would see themselves raised up with Jesus, seated at the right hand of power with Him in heavenly places, far above all rule, all power, all authority, all dominion, and above every name that's named, not only in this age, but in the one to come, that every person in the body of Christ would see themselves with everything in subjection under the feet of the Lord. And they would give themselves wholeheartedly as a prisoner to the Lord that He is head of their life and head of their treasures and head of their talent and head of their time and head of their tongue and head of their opinions and head of their plans and head of their goals and head of everything to the fullness of Him being in all things in all things according to them. And I pray that be released like never before, like an ever-flowing, unstoppable flood of light to everyone watching, to everyone listening, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.